Kiora, and welcome to Walking the Shadowlands podcast. Let me be your guide as we take a walk into the shadowy realms of the unexplained, of the paranormal, of things that go bump in the night and haunt your dreams. Your hosts. I'm Marianne. Thanks so much for joining us today, tonight, whatever time it is, wherever you're living in this beautiful world of ours. Sit back, relax, and let me be your guide as we walk into the Shadowlands together and see what awaits us there. Thank you so much for joining me. Great to have you here. It's taken me a long time to write the intro for this particular episode. I'd start, then stop, then start again. I had to really think deeply about how to formulate my words. This episode today is an interview with a very brave young woman who's speaking out for the first time ever about what she experienced for a period of roughly six years the effects of which tore her family apart, and the ripples are still being felt in their lives currently. It's in parts, to me, very sad, and it's taken my guest a lot to get to the space where she has gotten to in her life today. So many times during the course of her conversation, I wished that I could just reach through my Zoom room where I do my interviews and give her a hug. It was actually quite a hard interview for me to do because I have a family member who's currently dealing with a similar situation. Only in her case, I cannot remove the entity that's attached to her, an entity who's influencing her addiction because she does not want to let him go. I sadly watch on the sidelines as her family has been decimated and innocent young lives are being destroyed because of it. She tries very hard to get clean. I've lost count of the number of times she has detoxed, and then has just gone right back to where she left off, all because of the influence of a very human spirit, who latched onto her when she was a very young mum, and who has steadily influenced her behaviour, and has eroded her self-confidence and ability to recognise when she has been influenced by him. And yes, she is very aware of his presence. He doesn't bother to hide himself anymore. Why should he? He has no need to anymore. However, this is my guest story, a story of drugs, abuse, and of low-level entities that influence many who are addicted whether that's an addiction to drugs, be they recreational, prescription, or as in my family member's case, to alcohol, or to gambling, sex, whatever type their addiction takes. So, having said all that, are you still willing to walk with me into this part of the Shadowlands and see what awaits us there? Then let's begin. Before I introduce my guest, I want to talk for just a minute or two about spirit attachment and influence. I won't go into too much detail as I have an episode coming up about spirit possession and walk-ins 
and what the difference is. Actually, spirit attachment is not as common as people think it is, from all the TV shows and movies made showing such events. Being influenced by lower level spirit, however, is. So perhaps I should specify what spirit attachment is, because there may be some listening who've never ever heard of that. So an attachment can be called a number of things, such as an attachment, a spiritual attack, spirit possession or energy possession, although the term possession generally isn't used because most associate that with religions and the term demonic with its religious connotations. The attachments can be in varying degrees, from merely influencing to full-on controlling the person's actions. These are always done without the person's explicit consent. The most common type of attachments are earthbound spirits, those who for one reason or another, generally because they had an addiction that led to their death, don't want to move on. They are still craving their addiction that they had in life. Then we have interdimensional energies who have never had a body or lived in this dimension. They can be very dark, negative and extremely nasty. A spirit attachment can start to show that it's in a person's life with a large number of symptoms. Most really subtle at first, then after a while any pretense at subtleness simply disappears. As I mentioned previously, the spirit or entity does not seek permission of the person it is attaching to, it simply forces its way into the person's energy or auric field. This generally happens when the person is at a very low energy point in their lives, or whilst they are particularly weak or vulnerable or unconscious from drug or alcohol abuse or under the influence of such, or from deliberately opening themselves to attachment via some other methods which are beyond the scope of this episode. Once the spirit or entity gains entry to your energy, it will leave a hole or a tear in your aura, the energy that surrounds every living person, every living thing actually. Once that happens, then it's possible for other attachments to join or sort of piggyback on the original attachment. Here are some possible signs of spirit attachment or influence. However, never, ever, ever assume that these are because of spiritual attachments Always, always, always get checked out by a health professional before looking towards the spiritual causes because there can be a number of physiological or psychological reasons for some of these symptoms. So check out the mundane to begin with. Once that's ruled out, then and only then should you look at spiritual causes. So, some of the signs of possible attachments are abrupt and sudden, unexplained changes in the behaviour of the person being influenced. Changes like increased anger, as with my guest father, depression or wanting to hurt others, and or continual thoughts of murder or suicide. Sudden cravings for alcohol, cigarettes, recreational and illicit drugs, sex, especially if the person doesn't normally use them or is normally quite modest in their sexual appetites. Hearing voices when the person never has before, fears or phobias never experienced before, serious illness of unknown cause or unexplained health or physical problems, memory and concentration problems, severe personality disorders, 
Like with my guest's dad, migraine headaches were never experienced before, panic or anxiety attacks. These are some of the symptoms you can get with attachments. And make no mistake about it, these are parasites. Parasites that need to be removed from that person's energy field. They are a huge threat to a person's physical and mental well-being. Although, as I have mentioned in the Ouija board episode last season, if a person really wants that entity or spirit there, like with my relative, then nothing I or anyone else can do will remove it. Mostly, the spirit attachments simply want to get their preferred fix via their host body. However, in the case of interdimensional entities that have never had a body, they simply want to cause havoc and as much pain as they can. They feed off of it. Yes, feed off of it. Both of these can be removed. If the person wants them gone, genuinely wants them gone from their lives, they can be removed and the hole in the person's auric field healed so no other can find entry. With the previous background on attachments, I'd like to now introduce my guest, Michelle. Michelle grew up in Colorado in the USA. She came from a small family, just herself, her brother, her mum and dad. She has completed a four-year arts degree, majoring in videography with a minor in American Sign Language. She's currently busy organising her upcoming wedding in October and her story begins when she started college. So I'd like to introduce my guest, Michelle. 
Thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us today, Michelle. I know you've, I'm sure that my listeners, there may be some in the same situation that you were in that your story might help. Yes, I hope that my story can help some people. Yes. And I hope that those people don't feel like they're alone because I felt very alone in my situation. And it was, it was really hard to go through my situation alone. But um, yeah, so my name is Michelle and my story starts probably when I entered into college, I think, when I started college. Right. Oh, so college, by college you're talking, um, we would call that university here in New Zealand. Like, okay. Yes, you would call that university. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I went to a community college, so I still call that college, but I did end up going to university later. Right. Gotcha. Which was a four year, so I'm very proud of that. <laughs> what did you study as a matter of interest? I studied videography and how we communicate through film with a minor in American Sign Language. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's so creative. Yes, I'm a very creative person, and you'll you'll kind of find that uh, throughout a lot of the things that I've I've done is the way that I coped with the situation. It was through art and creativity, right. and that's kind of how I dealt with the situation. And it was really hard sometimes, but art got me through it. Right, I, I totally get that. That's your grounding and your healing. Yes, it very much was. That was how I got through almost everything. <laughs> So yes, when I was in, when I was starting college, my uh, my parents, uh, I was living with my parents and my brother, and it was just the four of us and the dog, the two dogs that we had, and of course I had pet rats, and the pet rats will come in later. I love rats, just <laughs> I know that they're not very popular, especially in New York and whatnot, but they were wonderful creatures. And looking at it now, they taught me a lot about right. life. It's just the but their tails get me. Oh, I don't mind their bodies, but their tails give me the creeps. <gasps> oh, wasn't their tails that got me at the first? It was their back feet. It was disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> took me a their back feet were gross, but it took me a bit. But it was so nice to have somebody to kind of come home to um, during this situation. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So... During that time, it was all of all of us together, and my aunt had called my mom one day and said that her daughter was having some problems, and we didn't really know the extent of the problem. We just knew that she was kind of addicted to heroin. We didn't know how bad it was until she got to live with us, and I begged and I had pleaded with my parents. I said, please don't have her live with us. I, I told them anything. I said, you won't love me anymore. Please don't let her live with us. Please, please, please. I just had this gut feeling that something bad was going to happen. I don't know what it was. <laughs> I just had this feeling. And I begged and I pleaded and I said, please, please, please. And of course, I was stuck at that time. You know, I was going to college and I was like doing classes all the time. And I was, you know, I was not doing too well in my classes at that time. And I was kind of in the party phase right. a little bit. Right. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. there was... Yeah, there was a lot yeah. that was going on during that time. Um, but I had begged and pleaded and asked them not to let her stay with us. And they turned me down every time. Eventually, she did stay with us. And she stayed with us for about six months. And during that time, 
things changed. The dynamics of the family did change. There was more arguments. There was more fighting. And before this, I mean, the family, there were arguments, but it wasn't this bad. You know, at times my dad, he just, you know, it was almost like he would go around to pick fights with people purposefully. And that was not a thing that would happen before. And it was really upsetting and depressing going through the situation with my dad. And my mom was just depressed all the time. And it got to the point where my cousin was doing heroin inside the house. Uh And yeah, she was smoking weed. She was doing heroin. I don't know how you do heroin. I don't know if it was like injecting heroin or something. I think she was smoking it. I found a foils with heroin in, in it. And we did not know at the time. But when she came to stay with us, she was actually wanted in another state. And it was, it was very, it was really serious. And it, it got to the point where we couldn't take it anymore. Sorry to interrupt, uh, Michelle. So before your cousin came to live with you, your mother didn't have depression? No, we were just a normal family. My parents, we would, we would go out, we would hang out at stores and stuff like that. And, you know, things seemed to be okay. You know, I don't know if maybe my cousin coming maybe influenced the depression or maybe magnified it and whatnot. But the situation just kind of got worse when she stayed with us. And I think the dynamics of the family really did shift quite a bit. And around the end of the six months that she was with us, there was a huge fight between mom, dad, and my cousin. And they were saying, you need to leave. You need to get out. We don't allow this in the house because I had showed them the heroin that she was using. And I said, this is not okay. This was one of the rules you laid down. And this is not an okay thing for you to have done. And I showed them this. And they said that she needed to leave. And my cousin knew I had showed them because, you know, how else would they have found right. out? You know. And we had a house at the time, and I haven't told anybody this really because nobody had really believed me much. And at the time, like I had said, I was, I was Christian and I was not a Wiccan. And I looked down the stairs because you could see down the stairs from the banister so there was a railing and you could see down the stairs and my cousin looked at me and I swear her eyes turned glossy black and for a second she had horns like it was a split second it was almost like you imagined it but I swear it was real it was so real and she looked at me gave me this horrible nasty snarling look and I felt like she was going to hurt me. I just felt awful dread. And like, I felt like I was in danger. Like even talking about it right now, I'm getting goosebumps. Like it was, it was intense. Mm. And I was so scared to go to sleep that night because I felt like she was going to hurt me. So I ended up sleeping in my parents' room (laughs) at 18 or 19 years old. I'm sleeping in my parents' room. Because that's how terrifying it must have been really scary for you to do that. Yeah, it was it was really, really. So the next day she was on the bus to go back to um, Nevada. So I was in Colorado and she's going to Nevada 
which was back when she came. And after that, everything in the house had changed. And two weeks went by, one of my rats died. And I don't know how she died. I take very good care of my rodents. <laughs> I loved them dearly. And I had two of them. So for that one to have died, it was just very strange. My mom got into a car accident a week later. And this car accident changed her life and has changed her life completely. And it still affects her to this day. And it's been about 10 years since this whole situation happened with my cousin staying. So this car accident had been horrendous. She had um, something called a TBI afterwards, which is a traumatic brain injury. And um, she actually started taking pills after that. Opioids, which is heroin. And my dad not only would pick fights purposefully, but started getting physical with my brother. And he was never like that before your cousin left, before your cousin arrived. No, never like that. And I know when my cousin was there, she would purposely try to start things mm. too. She would sit there and try to, you know, start some things. And I know that when she was there, she, things would move around. The house and it wasn't just when she was there she would be at her meetings and whatnot I would set something down and then I'd be like oh my gosh where'd my keys go where'd my homework go where'd my book go and it would just be moving around the house so so what you're saying is that um while she lived with you you started having paranormal events happening in your home that didn't happen prior to her arriving correct yeah right. but it was so minimal mm that it was almost like, oh, well, I must have misplaced it. I must have put it over here. Well, I, I must have not been thinking. I must be taking too many classes. I must have done too much today and just not have thought, right. you know? So it wasn't, a, it wasn't a lot of paranormal activity. But looking back at it, I'm like, oh, <laughs> that was, um, I think, where it started. Right because of the situation with the black eyes and the horns and just what I had seen and felt that night. I'm like, something was messing with right, us. Right, absolutely. Did you, when, as she left, did your parents feel anything? Did your mum or dad say anything? So they were true Christians right. and they were not going to talk about anything right, like that. right. And even to this day, they still will not talk about anything like that. I try to talk with them about these things, but they didn't talk about it. Right. And it got to, the paranormal activity kind of stopped a little bit after she left. And dur I didn't, we didn't know this, but during this time that my cousin was there, my brother was talking with a girl who lived in California. And we had planned a family vacation to go to California. And so my brother kind of ran away during this fa family vacation. And he went to go live with this girl for about a week or so. And he ended up bringing this girl back to Colorado. Wow. And she 
practiced witchcraft, which I don't want to say anything negative about, but she did practice the darker side of things. And she did tell us that um, she, she was Hispanic and she had a grandmother who practiced and they use like baby bones and yes, they use baby bones and they use blood magic and they use like those kinds of like darker right. things. And one of the things she brought with her was a Ouija board and she pressured me and my brother to play the Ouija board. And for days and weeks, I'd be like, no, no, I don't want to play the Ouija board. <laughs> and then eventually I was like, fine, I will play the Ouija board. Cause like half of me was really curious and half of me was kind of like, Oh, you know, I uh, don't want to, play with that Ouija board because you know it went against my belief systems mm-hmm. and it's I've I've read a lot of stories that it doesn't end right. well it didn't end well for us either and, and, and this is the new <laughs> this is a new family home and your yeah. parents knew they obviously didn't they didn't right. know my mom would work a lot and my dad would work a lot so he would work nights and my mom would work during the day right. so they were gone almost constantly so during the day dad would sleep and mom or dad would work nights and when mom was working then you know she'd sleep and stuff like that so they were almost you know we call them we call ourselves latchkey children here or latchkey kids because you know we didn't really have our parents around a lot yeah it has its moments where it's pretty bad and um I think this situation was pretty bad having to deal with this spiritual release and not being prepared for for it and what had happened. So we played with the Ouija board. We didn't get much activity, but we did ask some questions. You should never ask the Ouija board, like when you're going to die and, you know, things like that you should not ask. And we did get some answers, but we think whatever was giving us answers was messing with us and pretending to be my grandmother who had passed away because we were trying to connect with her and it was just a, um, a bad situation. I should also mention that my brother had also got her pregnant. And so they had also lost a a baby and they were, um, they were trying to contact um, the baby to see what its name would have been or what it wanted to be named and things like that. And so they were dealing with loss and grief. And so when you're dealing with those kinds of things, and especially my, my brother took, took it really, really, really bad. Um, It was, it was extremely bad. And I should probably mention after my cousin left, my brother became extremely suicidal. We were up with him um, for days to make sure he wouldn't hurt himself. And like, we had to hide the knives, we had to hide the guns, we had to hide every single, because he was going to kill himself. And he told us multiple times. And like, that was an entire situation. I think with everything that was just going on, I didn't, you know, when you're in that situation, you don't realize what's happening you know it's fight or flight fight or flight fight or flight and with everything just coming at you coming at you coming at you you know it's just one thing after another and you're like oh my 
God, look at all these things that have yeah, built up. just another thing to deal with. And your brother was not like that, what, didn't suffer from depression prior to your cousin coming and living with you? He actually had an entire personality change. And if you were to see pictures of him before to pictures of him afterwards, and I showed my fiancé, and he said, that's not your brother. Wow. That's not, that's not him. He... Um, he stopped eating. He, he had a, it was horrible for my brother. My brother probably had it the worst. And my brother, I think is the most traumatic one for me to deal with as well, because he, you know, I sat there with him and I was like, you're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And we're going to sit through this together. And you know what, if you need anything, you're going to tell me and we're going to talk about it. But he just felt like there was no way out. Wow. So, and this was before he lost the baby. Oh, wow, your poor brother. Hmm. Yeah. So it it sounds to me like there was quite uh, oppressive energies brought in by your cousin into your home that obviously stayed there and have influenced the happenings in the home. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. then you did this Ouija board. Um, and I suspect, uh, hearing what you said, that you more did it because you wanted to support your brother and his grief. The curiosity yeah. about how it works, would that be fair to say? Yeah, there was some curiosity. I mean, I did ask my to see if grandma was there and I wanted to know like a couple of things, but you know, they would bring up, oh, well, when are we going to die and stuff? And I was like, okay, we need to, we need to not ask those things. Cause I knew like, you don't ask those kinds of things right. when you play with the Ouija right. board. And it was really, it was really eye opening afterwards. I mean, it wasn't even, it was probably two days later, stuff started ramping up. And that's when the paranormal activity started really, really getting out of hand. So me and my brother's girlfriend who was living with us, we would get into fights constantly because she said, oh, you moved my makeup. Oh, you moved this case. You moved this. And I'd say, hey, you took this thing. You moved this thing over. And, you know, later I, I realized that, um, you know, sh she, um, she wasn't moving things around. And it was one day and I, I remember this very vividly one day when I was at home and I was getting into a situation at work. There was some legal stuff going on with me at work. Um, what, I mean, nothing ever came out of it, but there was, you know, legal stuff that was happening at work and people were accusing me of stuff that I didn't do. And I was at home. It was New Year's Eve. Everyone was out of the house. And I heard footsteps upstairs and I was like, no one's home. How can, I don't understand. How can this be happening? <laughs> you know, I was so confused. There was footsteps and then like the lights would flicker. Sometimes the lights wouldn't even turn on. And then I'd say, mom, dad, you know, you need to change the light bulb. And then the lights would turn on and I'd be like, well, <laughs> am I going crazy? You know? And there was one night when his girlfriend was asleep and I was asleep or we were trying to sleep and we eventually had gotten to sleep. And that night 
I felt like something was watching me. I just felt this presence in the room, but it wasn't like, it was like it was all around me. Like there was no way to escape it. And when I fell asleep that night, it was this dark entity that was looming over the bed, like at the foot of the bed, just looming, just watching you. And it was kind of watching you with the feeling of like, you're going to sleep when I tell you to, or you're going to do what I want. Right. It's kind of like one of those feelings. It's very strange. It's very hard to explain. And so I got up in the morning. I was like, mom, you know, I I had a really strange dream. (laughs) It was this really, really weird dream. I told her about it. And then my boyfriend's or my brother's sister, my brother's girlfriend, (laughs) sorry, my brother's girlfriend got up and explained her dream to my brother. And my brother and my mom were talking about these dreams like later in the day and I was at work and his girlfriend was, you know, doing whatever around the house and she was trying to find a job and whatnot. And I came home that night. My mom's like, you two had the same dream that night. Like, did you realize that you both had the same dream? Did you talk to her? Did you guys plan this? (laughs) No, we didn't. We didn't plan it. So it was just very strange. Um, Eventually, one thing led to another. And his girlfriend did have to leave. Right. And I don't think that the activity had ever really calmed down, but I do think that we just kind of ignored it because of everything that was going on. It was more affecting people's personalities and how they were. My brother ended up trying mushrooms, LSD, cocaine for a little while. It it was a lot. So do you feel that whatever this, entity was that was in your home that was influencing your emotions also influenced your brother into this path seeing as it seems to be seems to me that he was the target in all of this or the most vulnerable person I do I do I do think that he was the most vulnerable Mm. person because he was the youngest and because he was going through critical stages in life right and I do also think that my dad saying and like picking fights with people and like you can only take that for so long you know somebody just picking at you and picking at you and picking at you it's a lot like the Chinese water torture you know a couple of drops on your forehead probably wouldn't hurt but after a few hours or days of it you'd probably want out Yes, yes and so that's kind of what I think happened with my brother is he just, he needed out and he wanted out. And I think that path was kind of, he was forced into that path. Mm. So. And it feels to me that um, whatever entity was attached to your cousin was influencing her drug use as well. Um, And that's the feeling that I get about that anyway. Yeah, I think that this entity grew stronger every time that she would use her drugs. And I know that when she would use, at least with marijuana, which, you know, is marijuana, think what you want about it. But she would always offer it to somebody, say, hey, 
you should try it with me, you should try it with me, you should try it with me. And I think that there's some part of that. And yes, I think that's a drug thing. But I think that there's some part of that where the entity is like, I want to grow stronger, get people in your ring, right? get a hold of right. them. And I think my brother was just kind of the next victim. Because there was some instances where I had caught him selling drugs at school as well like he had gotten involved with a drug ring at some point and I told him I said you know you need to stop this you're not going down a good path and you know I don't think it it affected me quite as much because my whole thought process during this was go upstairs stay invisible Mm. and I would get the pets whenever dad and my brother would go at it I'd get the pets and I would say you're coming in the room with me (laughs) I don't care if you can understand what I'm saying you're coming in the room with me and we're hanging out and I would watch my tv and I would do what I needed to do to go to sleep and take care of the animals and just whatever state the situation yeah I understand that because your room was your safe haven Wow. So obviously this whole, sorry, and and from there, did you, did you find that uh, overall with every family member, did you find that their behaviour in the home was different than their behaviour out of the home? Like um, for yourself, for example, did you feel like clear, more clear-headed out of the home um, than in the home? Like, did you feel a difference in your behaviour or the way you felt generally? Yes, yes. Not just with me, but with family members as well. So we had vacations right. after this would happen and my dad and my mom were almost normal. Right. It was like we were a family. Right. <laughs> you know, we were out of the house. But then we'd have to go back. And I actually had friends that would come over because, you know, I was in university, I was in college and stuff, and they would come over and they would say, you know, what's going on with your house? I say, what do you mean? And they say, you can, you can cut the tension in that house with a knife. You can feel some sort of energy in that house with a knife. You can, you can walk in there and it feels like you can't breathe. Personally, I don't know how the hell that house sold because it feels just so dark in there, especially when you go into my parents' room. My parents' room is the worst because that's where they fought the most. And so that's kind of where the epicenter point is of the arguments. And I think there's a lot of, I think there might be an open door there because we also didn't, we didn't say goodbye. With the Ouija board, which is a big thing, you have to say goodbye. Right. You have to close it out properly, and I think that let a lot of negative energies out in there, right. and it was very negative. And I can tell you, when I moved out, so I ended up moving out in 2016, and my grades went up. I was chosen for a scholarship from my college. <laughs> Yeah, I actually had a 4.0 GPA at one point. Is that, like, I was super proud of that's myself. That's obviously a good grade. I don't understand the American grading yep. system, but 
Yeah, it's a, it's a grade point average. So they take an average of your grades. And so it's, it's, it's really, really good. And it's like a really positive thing. And when I graduated, I had all these medals and awards and they chose me to go up to um, the only deaf school in the world and actually film a documentary up there. <laughs> and that's when I moved out. And my fiance was like, holy crap, you can do so much stuff when you are out of such bad situations. You know, it's amazing how much people can thrive when they're not in such Appreciate. turmoil in their mind. Right, right. And, and of course, uh, it was an oppressive situation and whatever was in your home was deliberately creating that environment because it feared off those fear energies, those negative energies. Yeah. And um, I think it's interesting how my parents ended up leaving the house, too, because they were going to stay in that house in 2019. Actually, it was last year. My dad was taken by the police here because he was showing some disturbing signs. He I'll give you the short version because it's quite long. but the radio had given him an address and this is what he's telling us. The radio in his car had given him an address and this address was supposedly an address to a family and the man was cheating on his family with my mom and my dad was going to go over there and kill them, the entire family. And so we called the police and they took my dad and they took him for about eight days and they diagnosed him with schizophrenia and he's over 40 and it took, it did take a while for the diagnosis. It took about six months for the diagnosis. They thought he had all sorts of things. Um, But I do think that this entity played a part in it because the doctors were so confused. They they sat there and they said, oh, my God, we don't understand how somebody can have just have schizophrenia out of the blue like this. And I called his friends who have known him for 20, 30, (laughs) you know, they've known him for years. And I said, hey, you know, my dad's not doing well. They think he has schizophrenia. I want to know. What do you know about this? And what do you know of my dad when he was younger? And they all said the same thing. We don't know how the heck he would have schizophrenia. He had no signs. He had no symptoms. He had nothing. Right. So that to me, and this is something that I often um, say to people about people diagnosed with mental illnesses, particularly like your father, when they've had no nothing prior and there is genuine mental illness out there don't get me wrong but very often it's not well not very often sometimes it's not sometimes it is spirit attachment or spirit influence or entity influence in this case and and i tend to feel that in this situation that actually for somebody to have a psychotic break like that out of the blue with no signs building up to it, nothing like that. And the doctors were confused as how he could have this, you know, without any other symptoms. That says to me more that he was being influenced by this entity. 
Um, and had you guys not perhaps intervened, then something tragic, something tragic could have happened or would have happened. And that's probably what their entity was working towards this whole time. Right. And there are stories of situations where people have confronted entities and said, oh, you know, mess with me instead or things like that. And there have been tragic incidences because of that. And I, I mean, for me, when this stuff happened, I got holy water and I got holy oil because I didn't know what to right. do. And I knew that there was some spiritual workings going on here that were not okay. And even me at that age, you know, and I know I was older, but I was only equipped with so much um, being a Christian, I feel. Um, Nothing against the faith or anything like that. But I feel like I was only equipped with so much. And so I got my holy oil, I got my holy water. And I said, no, you are not going to mess with me. You are going to stay out of my room. This is my safe space and you will leave me alone. Good, good. And so that's something that I did. And that's why I feel like I I got the least of right. it. And I feel really bad for my um, my rat who had passed away. And I do think about her from time to time. She was an amazing little rodent. And I think that was a big wake-up call for me, even though it happened two weeks after. And the whole Ouija board and everything like that, that had happened. Right. But <clears throat> all of that... I feel had led to my dad going crazy the way he mm. did. And my mom is also addicted to opioids. Mm. And it's interesting because my cousin was doing heroin. Right. And so my mom is now also doing the, you know, the pill form of that. And I think that the entity may have grown an attachment to my mom possibly or to the family in some way and been like, Hey, you know, I know I'm with this one person, but I can wreak a whole lot of havoc in this household with a lot of these vulnerable people. Right. And that's what they do, isn't it? Wow. That's, that's absolutely tragic. And since your parents moved out of the house, is there any difference in their behavior? I mean, obviously your mum's still got this addiction and maybe it started, maybe the gateway was her traumatic brain injury, which can take a long time to recover from and some people never fully do. Um, maybe that was the gateway for the entity to start influencing your mum. I agree. I think that that was probably the gateway. Mm. Um, you know, I know that when you have, um, you know, a mental illness or perhaps when you have some sort of physical ailment like that, you are weakened. Mm. And so your defenses are down spiritually, physically, mentally. And so that's a great way for the entity to come in and to influence somebody. My mom still takes her medication and abuses her medication, unfortunately. However, my dad and this is so surprising coming from him. He actually recognizes when he's having a mental break and he will call people and reach out for help. He calls to make sure that he goes to his, um, his appointments to see his doctor, his psychiatrist, and his therapist on a regular basis. He takes his medication when he needs to. He was actually just, just down here in Colorado. He lives in... Alabama right now 
And that's what happened when they had split up. My dad lived in Alabama. My, my dad went to Alabama. Was he because he, as a result of this? Or? Yes. So my dad went to Alabama, which I think is, is good because they're working on themselves separately. And my dad also has COPD, uh, which is a lung condition. Right. And up here in Colorado, it's different, more difficult for somebody to mm-hmm. breathe. And so I'm happy for him living in Florida. And my mom is going to retire soon. and She's going to go join him. That's great. So I'm really happy for them. My mom still abuses her pills and we are working on, we're working on that situation. But my dad, like he was here in Colorado and he had to go back to Florida. But before he left, he sat down and he said, look, I feel like things are not right here because he has the delusions and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And he said, things are not working here. I need to go back to Alabama. And I think this is the best course of action for me. And I said, you go do it. You go get your meds and you go take care of yourself. And I, I mean, I'm so proud of yeah. him. That's I don't think he understands. <laughs> That's a big thing for, and, and for, uh, uh, um, schizophrenic to recognize and to do something about their situation when they are uh, getting bad, that's a rare thing for them to recognise that they're actually going into that psychotic state, you know? It takes so long for somebody to recognise that, and it's only been a year for him. It's only been a year. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. And... Yeah, it is pretty impressive. So I think he's starting to become more aware of things, which is really awesome for him. And I'm so proud of him. Um, My brother, on the other hand, I haven't heard from in probably two years or so. Mm. I'm not entirely sure where he is or what's gone on with him. Unfortunately, the last time that we had talked, there was some physical violence that was involved he had pushed me into the wall um he was trying to get some of his stuff out of the house and he was stealing some things and it was just not a good situation he's I love him very mm, much yeah, of course you do. but he's he's got some work that he needs to work oh, on that's really hard Michelle I'm really sorry to hear that and this, you know, I send him love and light every day. And what else can you do? What else can you do, hon? People have to walk their own path. And, and as much as you love them and want to help them, there's only so much you can do. Right. And if he's still being influenced by that entity, and there's a good chance he is, then until um, he recognises, then he's not going to do anything about it, is he? I don't think that he is. I know he's with a he's with a, a girl right now. He's seeing somebody and he's been with her for my goodness, like three years now or something. But she also has addictions. Right. And she has a few DUIs now, which is driving under the influence. And um you can get into a lot of trouble here for yeah, that. Yeah. And um yeah, so he's he's got a lot of that going on and he hangs out with a lot of people who are um addicted 
to a lot of different substances. And I think it's because he is too. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those, you know, you don't want to feel alone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah, you want to hang out with your, your crowd. Right. And that's his crowd. And that's his path. And if that's his path and that's what he needs to learn, maybe he has something to learn from it. Perhaps this entity really does have a really strong hold on him. Yeah. Um, but he does, from what I'm seeing, the only way to get rid of an entity is if somebody really wants to. Absolutely. If he recognizes that he has an entity and he wants it, there's nothing you Absolutely. can do. You're absolutely correct about that. If they want that entity there, um, sometimes it gets a bit like Stockholm Syndrome, you know? Um, oh, yeah. Um, like the person becomes used to being in that state and and in some weird psychological way um, is almost addicted to it, you know? And so, yeah, uh, I mean, I've come across cases in my years where um, one in particular lady that was playing with a Ouija board, and I talked about that in my Ouija board episode, uh, she invited these entities. She wanted them. Yes, I remember that episode. Yeah, and you just can't help people who are like that you you can get rid of the entity but if they want it there it's not going to go it's not going to go right you're wasting your time because the person's will overrides anything else that we could do and it's just a waste of energy it's really sad so this this whole episode has absolutely split your family and that was that was the yeah. goal of the entity, was to divide your family mm-hmm. and to destroy it. But it hasn't destroyed it. So that's the positive thing. It separated it. But look at yeah. how it's coming back together again now that you're out of the house. Right. I will say that there are some traumas that I personally have. Um, for, ex- for instance, um, when I first moved out of the house in 2016, I... Like, I wouldn't eat. And I'd always ask my fian- my, my now fiancé, I'd say, hey, can I have some ice cream? Hey, can I have this? And he's like, it's okay if you have food and you don't need to ask. Wow. And it took me a while to kind of grasp that. Right. And so for me, like, understanding normal behavior almost, and it's really sad to say, but understanding some normal behavior is kind of hard for me to grasp at sometimes and and just kind of sit there and realize, oh, so that is, that's a thing that actually happens. Oh, wow. So it traumatized you to that state. That's, yeah. That's really, that's really horrific to hear that. It is because... When I was, you know, when I was that age and I would go into my room and I would say, okay, be invisible, be invisible. You can only do that for so long until you are invisible and you feel invisible. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And and so it's, yeah, I, I feel like we are coming back together and my trauma is healing and the family is healing slowly, but we are healing. And that's the positive, isn't it? You are healing. Yeah. How, yes. how, how long a period of time did this go on for entirely at the house? Oh, gosh, it's been for years. So from the time that I was about um, 18 
um, probably six or seven years. That's a long time to be in such an oppressive situation and to deal with something like that. So, and it's not that long ago that you came out of it. So really, I think you're doing very well, very, very well. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I am, especially since, um, you know, when I graduated from university in 2019 last year um, with all that stuff, yeah. you know, and doing all that stuff at the university and stuff like that. You know, I feel like I have come such a long way and I've learned so much from it and my path. I, I went from being a Christian to being a Wiccan because I just felt so much more meaning in uh -huh. it. And being a Wiccan, I was able to really analyze the situation, say, okay, so this is what happened. And once I'd gotten into the house, you know, of course I saged myself. And I was like, there's no, nothing attached. You're not allowed to be attached to me anymore. You're not allowed to be around me. You're not allowed to influence me. You are not here. This is my body, this is my house, and this is my life. Awesome. So you absolutely took back control. Well done. Yes. Well done. Yes. I've got these bumps. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> awesome. That's so awesome. So even though it was such a devastating time for you all as a family and for you personally, there's light at the end of the tunnel and good things can come out of negative situations, even if it's just learning about your own strengths and your own abilities. Yes, good things can come out of these situations. And I will say during this stuff, we had a, we had a dog. We still have her actually, but she went through a lot of stuff too with um, the entity and with all this negativity, you know, she was losing weight and she was attacked by another dog during this. And so me and my fiance, we've actually adopted her now and she's ours. And we kind of consider our house her retirement home. Oh. And she has an amazing life right now. She's walked every single day. She gets treats. She takes CBD oil for her arthritis. And nobody believes me, but she's 17 years old. And... I feel like I've rescued her from the situation and she's just thriving. Oh, My God. That's awesome. That's awesome. And of course, she's a family member. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. And so, I feel like there's light at the end of the tunnel, even if it's just a dog being rescued or just yourself or anything like there's always light and there's always hope and you know you just got to keep living to the next day right. and even though I don't talk to my brother anymore I'm glad that he chose to keep living to the next day yeah absolutely and that's a hard so many people so many people struggle with that and it's really really hard and um the Depression is a very, very difficult thing to deal with. And when it's exacerbated by outside influence, it's a double whammy. Uh, I can just imagine how suffocating he must have felt to, to turn to other means of escape. Yeah, that's really, really, really hard. 
Um, okay, so so for you now, looking back on it, what are the things that your experience taught you? What sort of words of wisdom would you have to share with anybody who may be going through something similar? I would say that you're not alone. 100% you're not alone. And I would, I feel like I did the right steps, you know, getting that entity, even if it's just out of your room, you know, and recognizing that that is something that is happening. You're not crazy. You know, there's a lot of gaslighting that went on. There's a lot of emotional abuse. It's not just like physical abuse. It's emotional abuse um, that actually happened. And I would just say it'll be okay and to keep living on to the next day because there is light at the end of the tunnel. There really is. Oh, that's pretty amazing. And did you ever hear about your cousin, what happened to your cousin? Is she still around? She had gone to some AA meetings. She had gone to some rehabilitation centres. But like you said, if you don't want to get better, you're not going to get Mm. better. I know that she's wanted in several states now, including Colorado, because we she did end up stealing quite a bit of money from us. She's stolen about ten thousand dollars from us. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much that is in That's a lot of money. New Zealand dollars, unfortunately. <laughs> she's stolen fifty thousand dollars from her parents. And so she's wanted in a few states, and we don't know where she is currently. Oh, that's so sad. Unfortunately, that's she's evaded police a lot. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's incredibly sad, isn't it? It is. It's very sad. But you can't do anything about choices people make. No, you can't. It's it's just really sad because we grew up mm-hmm. together, and she was my best friend growing up you know I'm preparing for my wedding right now and I'm looking at old pictures you know because I'm getting ready for the reception oh, congratulations and stuff. it's awesome thank you <laughs> I'm so excited yeah, when are you getting married October 5th really far away how exciting for you something positive and it sounds to me like you have wonderful emotional support with your fiance now um somebody Oh my gosh. Really yes. loves you <laughs> and respects you and honors your journey. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Um, he doesn't really understand the wicked ways. But he accepts but he's you like, regardless. you know, you do what you need to do, sweetheart. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. <laughs> yeah, a lot of positive things have come out of it. Um, we're gonna be trying for a baby soon and we're very excited. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, well, I'm so thrilled to hear that out of such a negative time, your life has turned around and now, you know, things are really looking up for you. They are. They're really looking up. And I keep saying, you know, if I can get through that time that happened during those years, those six years, I can get through anything. Yeah. I really can. And I feel like people are stronger than we think that they are you know we're stronger I'm stronger than I think that I am absolutely and I'm a lot stronger than I was back then too absolutely because back then I was trying to be invisible and now here I am on a podcast and I'm 
saying, here, see me, world. Yeah, this happened. What a turnaround, <laughs> eh? What a turnaround. That's absolutely wonderful. Michelle, thank you so much for your time, hun. It's been an absolute pleasure having you and listening to your story. And I really appreciate you taking the time to share your experiences with myself and with my audience. I know that they were very traumatic for you and that it was a very difficult time in your life. So speaking out about this actually takes a lot of courage and I applaud you for that and I thank you for your time today. Yeah, thank you for having me on the show. I really enjoyed talking with you about it and this is actually my first time speaking out about it. I'm very happy that it was here. You did really well. And I know it's a it's a difficult thing to talk about. People don't realise unless they've experienced the sort of thing themselves, how hard it is to talk about because you never know how people are going to respond. So a lot of people who have these sort of experiences keep them to themselves for this reason because they don't know how people are going to take it, whether they're going to be laughed at or ridiculed or you know, so it's a very brave thing for you to do, Michelle, and thank you so much. Thank you. This entity that came into Michelle's previously normal family's life came in with her cousin attached to her cousin and almost immediately began causing division and strife within her family. Did the entity cause her mum's accident and the death of her beloved rat? I don't know about that. I do know that the timing, however, is very suspect and certainly in her mum's case it opened the door for the entity to influence her mum's addiction to heroin-based prescription medication, which she still struggles with to this day, and which her cousin was heavily addicted to, in fact, was using in their home, unbeknown to the family for some time. It most definitely targeted her younger brother and influenced his drug use. He of them all was the most vulnerable in the family, although it worked on all of them to one degree or another. Michelle has not seen her brother in a number of years and does not know where he currently is in the States or if he's still using. Although my suspicion would be that he is, unless he's been able to get rid of that entity from his life. And it most certainly influenced her dad, who developed schizophrenic patterns of thought and behaviour, hearing voices telling him things, encouraging him to acts of violence and inducing paranoid thought patterns. He was subsequently diagnosed with schizophrenia. This was something that really baffled his psychiatrist because that is a disease that is not seen developing in people over 45. Generally, people develop symptoms of schizophrenia between the ages of 16 to 30 years old, not at his age, and certainly not without any prior symptoms. His friends of 20 and 30 plus years were completely dumbfounded when Michelle approached them and asked if he had ever displayed any symptoms during the years they had known him. He had not. So this begs the question, was this all influenced by the entity who caused so much havoc in this family and their lives. 
Michelle herself was not left unscathed by this all and for many years had post-traumatic stress and only now is really at a stage where she's healed enough to be able to talk about it. Even the family pets were not immune to the influence of this entity. Were things exacerbated by the girlfriend of Michelle's brother and her spiritual practices or by the use of the Ouija board? I'm certain that it likely didn't help in any case. It's very interesting to note that when people were away from the home, they felt differently. Things seemed to be normal again until they returned home where their cousin was. Even Michelle's college friends who had come to her home noticed the negative, heavy atmosphere in the house. Ultimately, this caused the family to all split and go their separate ways, which is incredibly sad, but I feel was part of the goal of the entity to begin with. The good news is that Michelle's mum and dad are looking at getting back together and the three of them are working on their relationships again and hopefully one day Michelle will once again be in contact with her brother and they can mend that relationship. But for now, Michelle has a wonderful partner who loves her and they are planning their marriage and looking forward to having a family together. And she's looking forward to a great future with her partner. How awesome for her that she now has some positivity in her life. I really want to thank Michelle for being so kind as to share her story with us all. I know it was hard for her. It was hard for me to hear some of it. But I'm so grateful that she did. And I wish her and her family nothing but love and peace moving forward. bumper music today is called Abysmal by Bryant Lowry. If you have any suggestions for topics you might like me to cover in upcoming episodes then please don't hesitate to contact me. If any of you have any questions, suggestions or any comments that you'd like to make or experiences that you might like to share with myself or my audience or if you feel you might be a good fit as a guest on my podcast, then just email me at shadowlands at yahoo.com or check out the Be A Guest page on the podcast website. Check out our Facebook page, Walking the Shadowlands, our Instagram feed of the same name, and our Twitter feed at Shadowlands10. Like and follow for hints on our upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a positive rating and don't be shy to leave a written review on your chosen podcasting platform or on the podcast Facebook page, Walking the Shadowlands. And of course, so you don't miss out on any episode, make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast is available on all free podcasting platforms and iHeartRadio as well. Also, if you have Alexa, simply say these four words. Open Walking the Shadowlands and Alexa will play our latest episode for you. If you don't have a smartphone, then you can listen to the episodes from the podcast website www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. For those hearing impaired, there's a full written transcript of each episode on the website so you don't miss out at all. 
Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your workmates about our show. Encourage them to listen and to subscribe also. The more the merrier. Thank you so much for listening today, tonight, whatever time it is, wherever you're living in this beautiful world of ours. We'll see you in two weeks' time. Thanks for listening. 